welcome to the podcast. I'm so glad that you're here because today's episode is so, so good. I met Landon Hairgrove a couple months ago when we were both speaking at a student conference in Oklahoma City. And to tell you the truth, now that I think about it, I don't even know that we actually got the chance to meet because we, I spoke on night two, he spoke on night three, and we both had different travel stuff. So I was in the room when he was giving the message that he's going to talk through today. Um, but then we connected afterwards and I just really felt like I wanted what I heard, the word that I heard him give. I wanted to have a permanent place for it here on the podcast. And my life was so encouraged by what he had to say that I really believe that yours will be too. Landon is the pastor of Oasis City Church in Boise, Idaho. He has a beautiful family who you'll get to meet in this podcast episode. And I think today's conversation is for the person who loves the Lord, but feels far from him. And I think that by the end of this, we'll all have closed that gap and have taken a step closer to the Lord that we love. At Resera, they believe that jewelry should be meaningful. Every piece is designed with this in mind to serve as a daily reminder of important values, stories, or people in your life. That's exactly what my necklace is. I have this gold necklace that's a little circle and it has a dot, dot, dot on it. And it's a part of the Stephanie Bear collection and it's meant to be a marker for this season of hopeful expectation as Scott and I are in the waiting of adding children to our family. And I love it so much. And it's been such a beautiful thing to have during this time. And I love that Resera has become a partner of this podcast because if you shop their jewelry online, which I highly recommend for yourself or for a birthday or any holiday coming up for a lady in your life, you are not only getting a beautiful piece of jewelry, but you're also supporting a powerful mission. Resera's mission is to employ and empower women of survivors of homelessness and domestic violence. They offer makers a living wage, one-on-one financial counseling, food and clothing assistance, and referrals to free mental health counseling. So don't wait. Visit www.resera.com slash Nick Dutton or use promo code Nick Dutton for 15% off of your purchase and show me what you decide to buy. Again, that's www.resera.com slash N-I-K-K-D-U-T-T-O-N or use promo code Nick Dutton for 15% off of your first Resera purchase. All right, Landon, we've been talking for a few minutes now. And honestly, you are a newer person to my life. So this is just as much me getting to know you as like <laughs> the people who are listening. But would you mind just introducing yourself and giving us a little bit of your background and story? Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Landon Airgrove. I am uh, a church planter in Boise, Idaho. So my wife, Brooke, and I, we moved here in January of 2021 uh, with our three kids. I have a seven-year-old boy a three-year-old boy, and then a one-year-old girl. So Arrow, Ezra, and Kaya, uh, they are the light of my life. I love them. Um, a lot of fun. They, they keep my life busy. I was going to say, they my keep world you consists full, of, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. My world consists of Bluey yeah. and lots of wrestling on the living room floor yeah. and baseball in the backyard yeah. and all, all the good things that come with uh, 
being a parent and raising kids. So yeah. it's been, it's been a fun season for us and they've been planting the church with us. So it's, uh, they've been helping us design the kids ministry, you know, do all, do all the things. They got very strong opinions. These pastors kids, I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they do. I'm sure. And honestly, they're probably spot on. They're going to tell you the truth. They're not trying to like oh, yes. stroke your ego or win you over. They're going to tell no. you if something is great or if it sucks. And so that's what you need. Oh, absolutely. And honestly, <laughs> they, they've been very helpful in the process of yeah. actually developing a really robust, great kids ministry that yes. kids enjoy. So yeah, they've been, they've been a fun part of the process, but yeah, we, we spent about a decade in youth ministry. So uh, my wife and I were youth pastors, um, Texas, Colorado, and Oklahoma and loved our time in youth ministry. Um, obviously, you know, youth ministry is one of the things that's like, man, it never leaves your blood. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, we're very passionate about the next generation. Um, actually youth ministry wasn't even something that was really on my radar. Um, yeah. my wife and I, we got married super young. We were high school sweethearts. So we met, I was going to ask um, how you and Brooke met. <laughs> yeah, we met, um, going into my senior year. She was going into her sophomore year. Um, and just immediately connected through some friends. And it was like, truly like, I was like two weeks in saving for a ring. Like I was like, I'm going to marry this girl someday. Um, and so we just, yeah, high school sweethearts fell in love. We graduated high school two weeks after she graduated. Uh, we literally moved (laughs) and oh, sorry, two weeks after graduated, got married. And then two weeks after that, we moved to Dallas, Texas. Mm -hmm. I went to Bible school down there, uh, ended up graduating my bachelor's from King's university, um, in South Lake, Texas. Mm-hmm. Had an amazing time down there. Uh, learned a ton. Did started doing youth ministry during that season. Uh, and man, yeah, just God opened our world in youth ministry, and we got to serve and and uh, hang out with teenagers and help walk them through every you know age and stage of, of teen years. And uh, man, just saw God do incredible things through youth ministry, and saw lots of salvations and baptisms and just life change and transformation. And during that entire time. Uh, I knew that someday we were going to plant a church. My wife and I had talked about that from the time, literally, we before while we were still dating. Um, I didn't really grow up with a Christian uh, upbringing. I like I would say like I had a Christian upbringing, but it wasn't uh, in the sense of like I didn't really attend church. Uh, we attended church till I was about five. My granddad was a men's pastor uh, at a church in our city. Um, he also worked with. Um, uh, like construction and real estate and uh, land development, things like yeah. that. So he was doing that at the same time as he was a men's pastor, but then started to pick up, uh, sold that company and started to really pick up with speaking. And so he started traveling with a guy named Dave Reaver, um, became like a full-time itinerant pastor, moved actually to the Dallas-Fort Worth area to travel from that area, just an easier place to travel out of. Right. Uh, but when he moved, uh, my family kind of fell away uh, from going to church and, and from really like walking uh, with the Lord in that way. And so from five to 10, we, uh, we became CEOs. I like to call it mm-hmm. Christmas and Easter only. Um, and so we did that. We did that for about five years. Uh, and then when I was 10, they, they got divorced and we really just like completely stopped going to church as a family. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I was 17 that I really got saved, accepted oh, wow. the Lord and then entered into a relationship with Jesus. Um, and at that time found a church on my own, just like looking up churches. <laughs> um, actually, I don't know if you've heard of the porch, the podcast, yes. the porch. Yes, I have. Uh, yeah. So, Okay. So yeah, out of Dallas, uh, Watermark Church. So JP Pacluda used to yeah. be uh, the young adults pastor there. Radically life-changing uh, podcast for me. I, I literally had someone send me, I, I had a bad experience with a church right when I got saved, went to a church, walked in, nobody noticed me. I right. sat in the back by myself. You know, I'm just kind of, mm-hmm. you know, I got a hat on and I'm just looking, you know, this is a <laughs> yeah. church that you wear your Sunday best, right? Yes. They're in like suits <laughs> and ties. And I'm walking in with like a rip Carhartt jacket, yeah. like oil stained, right? And uh, I just remember walking in and just feeling, man, I really don't belong here. And the mm-hmm. sense I really got was like, man, like the God that met with me is not here. And I know that's not theologically true. But that's how I felt in that yeah. particular moment. But someone sent me a podcast from the porch 
my aunt actually, uh, and started listening to it and radically changed my life over the course of a year. Like this dude digitally discipled me. And I just like listened to every single week on Tuesday night when that would release from the porch, I'd listen to the podcast. Uh, and my life just began to change and shift. And I uh, became hungry for the word and I just got free from some things. And it was just like, man, God used the porch to really uh, lead me to a place where when I met Brooke, she said, Hey, two things you got to know about me, love God, love my family. And if you want to be around me, you got to come to church me on Sunday. And I was like, well, girl, I want to be around you. And <laughs> said, so I was like, for you. <laughs> I said, take me to church. Let's go. And so, uh, she, she took me to church with her and her family and radically different experience. Walked in, was greeted, was known. People wanted to hear my story. They're like, Hey, tell me about like, what brought you here? Talk to me about your story. Talk to me about what God's doing in your life. And it, it was genuine and, and real and authentic. Um, and so during that time, I just started to really connect to the life of the church, man. I was like, I'll serve in kids ministry, put me with the preschoolers. Like I was like, do, I'll do anything. I was uh, shoveling rock and doing landscaping for them. I painted the church offices. Like I did mm-hmm. everything I possibly could just to be there. Um, and I was going to special Tuesday night services, like the, the whole thing. And so during that time, God really started to work in our lives. And that's when we really first started to get the sense of like a call to ministry. Uh, and it was during that time too, that we really kind of decided Bible school was going to be our trajectory. Um, and so, yeah, went the youth ministry route, did all that for about 10 years. But during that time, we literally traveled. Like every time we take a vacation, it was somewhere we thought maybe we'll plant a church here someday. Yeah. I wanted to plant a church by a beach, but God had other plans. <laughs> I was like, God, Florida, they need, they need Jesus. Yes. California, Hawaii. Southern California, they need Jesus. Hawaii for sure. Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. But it just, yeah, it never worked out. God always yeah. places me by the mountains for some reason. Mm. Um, and so... Yeah, it was it was 2020 when for the first time we began to see shifts. I mean, they were, in the whole country, everyone's quitting their jobs and moving. We're like, where are all these people going? Yes. And we had this sense of just like, okay, God's doing something unique. Like there's something happening in the world that's very unique coming in out of this like post-COVID kind of culture. Um, and so we're looking at all these people moving. And it was the first time God shifted our hearts from where, because we used to say, where do you want us to plant God? What are we supposed to do? And we felt like God shifted us in 2020 to who do we feel called to? Mm. Hey, who do you feel called to? Who do you want to reach? And really we narrowed it down to entrepreneurs, pioneers, dreamers, people gifted with grit, but questioning the purpose and direction of their lives. And so as we started to kind of process through, okay, this is who we're trying to reach. These young families, these people that are maybe stuck in this uh, the self-delusion uh, of self-sufficiency, right? The delusion of self-sufficiency, this idea that I can just work hard enough, that I can grind enough, that I can you know, accomplish the American dream and do this thing. I was like, hey, we got to break this reality because I got people in my life that I love that have fallen for this delusion of self-sufficiency, right? Where it's like all about just you know getting to the top and doing what you can. And, and, there, and on the other side of that, there's just... There's no contentment. There's no happiness. There's no real, true, lasting peace. Uh, it's momentary. It's fickle, and it's fading. Mm-hmm. And so, I want to be able to kind of help these people that are trying to find their own way and show them, hey, Jesus is the way. He is the truth, and He is the life. And so, that's the idea of our church, Oasis City. Um, I was actually sitting in Boise because we decided, hey, this is who we're going to reach. We looked up, you know, one of the best cities in the country for entrepreneurs. Boise, number really? two for young, huh. yeah, number two, number two for young families in the country. At the time, um, we started looking up other stats. It's the 28th most unchurched city in the nation. It is the 24th most post-Christian city in the nation. The the primary religious stronghold here would actually be like LDS Mormonism. Yeah. Um, but really, mostly it's it's atheistic. It's none. Mm-hmm. It's people that have kind of diverted from maybe a Christian upbringing and gone to this kind of post-Christian yeah. mindset. Um, and so we really felt like, hey, we need to go visit the city. We took a week out here. Mm-hmm. And the moment we drove in the city, my wife starts crying. 
And I'm going, I'm like the fun guy. I'm like, let's go. It's going to be awesome. You know? And she's over here like crying. I'm like, what's wrong? Like, why are you crying? Like, why are you being a downer on my trip? You know? But she's like, she's like, I already can just tell like that I'm going to mourn our leaving our family, leaving our friends. Cause I feel like God's calling us here. So we took the week, prayed, you know, I let her take the kids one. I took the kids so she could go pray. She took the kids so I could go pray. We both found a coffee shop. Um, and it was during this time that God really like just solidified for us. Like, okay, this is where we're called. And it was at that, that coffee mm-hmm. shop, the Lord dropped that word Oasis. Yeah. And Boise's a, Boise's a high desert area. So it's an area that, you know, you would say, uh, you know, when you're driving up to it, it's got kind of that desert vibe. Yeah. But then you hit Boise and Boise is a French word that literally means wooded. Um, they call it the city of trees. And so it's mm-hmm. like all of a sudden it's just trees from like as you know, east to west, as far as I can see, just trees, a river through it. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. So it's like, it's literally like kind of an oasis. And back in the mm-hmm. day, the pioneers were coming through looking for gold. This actually was like a refuge city for them where they'd stop and they'd, they'd refuel, right? Refresh mm-hmm. and then keep going. And so I'm sitting here going, that's a cool kind of idea, right? This, this idea of it being an oasis. But God was like, hey, there's more here. You know, it's kind of the woman at the well kind of idea of like, Hey, uh, yeah, there's more here. Uh, You know, look at me, there's more here. (laughs) And as I was kind of feeling that, that Lord lead me that way. It's like, Hey, no, I want you to plant a church. That's an oasis for the wanderer, Mm. a place of refreshing hope, healing and renewal for the city of Boise, a place where people that have been trying to find their own way will come to know that Jesus is the way, the truth, Mm -hmm. the life, a place where they can come experience the living water of Christ, a place where they will never thirst again. And so it was this idea of, okay, this is the oasis that we need to create here. We need to create right a well for the community to come and drink. And so we're going, okay, how do we do that? So we dated the city, came back three or four more times, mm-hmm. third visit, ended up feeling like God said to buy a house, which ended up being incredible oh timing gosh, with the market. Yeah. 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 It was, it was insane. Uh, bought the house while we were still living in Colorado and then moved um, shortly after that. And yeah, God has just blown our minds. We launched February 19th of 2023. Um, unbelievable launch. Just God moved in a huge way. We had 842 people show up on our launch day. It was it was wild and crazy. And uh, yeah, God has just continued to do amazing things over the last uh, seven, eight months. And so we're getting ready to actually launch our third service uh, September 10th. And so God has just been mm-hmm. so faithful and so kind. We baptized 30 people in the river last week. It was oh just like amazing. So <laughs> God has just been moving day by day. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we're just, we're, we're blown away by what the Lord's doing in our city. And we know that yeah. we know that he's, he's got big plans for Boise. I, I have a lot of friends that listen to this podcast that live kind of in the city that we're in. And I feel like they're probably starting to shake in their boots because they're like, oh no, we're about to lose Scott and Nikki to Boise, Idaho. <laughs> like, I'm ready to go. Like, let's go. Come on, we're join the there. team. <laughs> yeah. That is, I mean, that's incredible. And I think it's also, I just think it's so, um, such a good testimony, such a clear testimony of how the Lord knits all these details together and how you look back and you're like, there's no way, there's no way that all of these things line up. And the experience that you have in a church as a young believer, how that forms and fashions the church that then one day you're called to plant. And I'm sure how that kind of just flows out into the team and the atmosphere and the environment and the city and your family and your wife and just all of that that comes together. You're like, there is no way, like if God had given you or if someone had given you a blank piece of paper at 17 and said, okay, draw it out. Every detail, everything, like what's it going to be? There's no way you could have even 
attempted no. to draw half of what you've seen. It's just wild. And it's just encouraging too, because it's not just that Landon's special. It's not just that you, the hair grow family is special. That is truly possible for all of us. And is there, and even that, like, that's what you're saying, right? Is that you want to reach yeah. these young families. You want to reach these young entrepreneurs, these people who have grit and you want to help them to see the bigger purpose behind that and kind of like move into yes. that next chapter. And so I just think that that's huge. I just, feel like that's really encouraging for people listening. Oh yeah. You nailed it. And that's, that's what we want to do. We want to take these people that are obviously gifted, these people that mm-hmm. have used their giftings to create yeah, businesses, ideas, yeah. dreams. Yeah. They're going after these things and mm-hmm. say, Hey, your gifts are not for you. Your yeah. gifts are for other people. Your gifts are, are to build the body. Mm-hmm. Your gifts are to, to, to glorify God so that people would see and glorify your father in heaven. That's, mm-hmm. that's what it's for. And so we want to help redirect them and say, hey, I know you're questioning, why am I gifted this way? Why am I natural at this? And we want to be able to point to them and say, hey, it's, it's for God. These things are all for God. Um, and so we've, we've been able to, to start to do that, right? And we've seen so many cool things. Like we have an, a super amazing team, like our, from our staff to our dream team. We have amazing people on our team that are using their gifts week in and week out to, to serve the body and to serve others. And it's so cool to see people step into purpose, right? Yeah, when they finally realize like, oh my goodness, like this is why, like this, yeah. what I'm doing right now as I'm pouring out my life for others and I'm refreshing others, right? He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. And I'm mm-hmm. like, this is, this is what's happening. It's like my soul mm-hmm. feels the refreshing, feels the, the invigoration of what purpose uh, does. And so I love watching people step into that. It's unreal. Well, and like, I I was just sitting here listening to you and thinking we, you and I actually have seen a brilliant example of this because we Mm. have only been in the same room one time in our life. And it was during the United OKC student conference this summer. And it was amazing. It was absolutely unreal. It was so uh, encouraging to see the next generation take these massive steps forward in their faith Mm -hmm. that, you know, that younger version of you, that younger version of me, I came to know Jesus and step into a relationship with the Lord in a very similar environment when I was about 12, 13 years old. And so we got to see that moment happen for so many students, which was unreal. But what I also have remarked on a lot since I've come home is Josh Dottridge is the youth pastor that's there. And the environment that he sets is unlike any other one that I've stepped into because I have gotten the opportunity to speak at a lot of churches and be a part of a lot of teams and conferences and movements and moments. And they're all amazing in their own right. But there's just something about the atmosphere that he cultivated in that space that just trickled down from the top to the bottom. And it was just this atmosphere of um, we're not performing for anyone. We're not trying to um, entertain anyone. We're just going to show up genuinely and authentically unrushed. And we're just going to see what the Lord wants to do. And then we're going to push into what we might sense that the that Lord might be saying or that he might be doing in this moment. And it was pretty remarkable. Like he is so gifted in that area. And just to like watch him do that. Yeah, I think you you hit the nail on the head when you when you said like the environment there. Mm-hmm. It was I, I'm sure you know this from walking into other conferences and churches, right? You can tell when there has been prayer and fasting before 100%. the event, right? Yeah. You can sense when you walk mm-hmm. into the room that there has been mm-hmm. cultivation in the spirit. That when you walk into a place, you're like, okay, there are people that have been on their knees. There are people that have gone before the Lord that have submitted this event to Him because there's just a 
like you said, performance, right? Or in preparation are two completely different things. Very Anyone different. can throw on a big event, <laughs> yes. right? And put the lights up and yes. make sure the worship team is excellent hitting every note. Yeah. But it's a difference between yeah, being excellent and being anointed. And I really think you should have be both, yes. right? That's my personal preference. I, I, anointed is awesome, but I want it to yes. be excellent as well. I really right. feel like that also honors the Lord. And I think there's anointing and excellence. And right. so um, I think that needs to be both. And that environment was, I thought they yes. did a fantastic yeah. job. I thought Josh's team, I mean, I remember walking in before mm-hmm. service and his whole team's just praying over the room mm-hmm. and praying over chairs. And you can just sense the expectation mm-hmm. that even his leaders had. And so he did a great job leading the way with mm-hmm. setting the precedent of, way. Hey, we're going to go after this. Mm-hmm. This is what we expect. We're going to see signs, wonders, miracles. We're going to see kids deliver. We're going to see kids heal. We're going to see kids uh, walking in their purpose. We're going to see kids leave here different than the way Mm -hmm. that they walked in. And then we did. We watched it. We literally watched that exact thing happen. It was remarkable. And it was similar for me. I had not met Josh and had just had that same phone call and we were just like praying through it together. And so then to get to watch it kind of all come together was, was really remarkable. And I have one more question for you before we jump into like the meat of what we're talking about today. Um, I love the names that you gave your children and I feel like there Mm. is purpose behind that. Where, how did you guys come up with these names? What was that process like? My husband, Scott and I don't have kids yet. We're hoping to in the next year or two. Um, but all of our friends are starting to have their first, second kids and just that naming process, I feel like is so significant. So remind us of what your kids' names are. And then can you tell like a little bit of the heartbeat behind that? Yeah. So Arrow Joel is my my oldest, my seven-year-old. And uh, uh, Psalm 127 talks about how the the children of one's youth are like arrows in the hands of a warrior. Blessed is he whose quiver is full. I remember uh, looking at the ultrasound the first time we found out the arrow was a boy. So we, we didn't know what this baby was, didn't know what it was going to be, uh, find out it's a boy. And it was as if the Lord spoke to me in that moment, like, this is your first arrow. Mm. And I was just like, man, like that would be such a cool name. And so I told my wife, I'm like, I think we should name him Arrow. And she goes, that's a thing. It's not a name. We're not naming him Arrow. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, hey, listen, I'm, I'm just telling you, I think it'd be awesome. She's like, yeah. no, we're not doing that. Well, this is a, a tip for, for all the dads out there. So that's <laughs> what you did. So I was, I, every time I like would rub her belly, I'd be like, hi, Arrow. Just planting the seed, <laughs> just kind of like over and over again. I'm just going to call this baby arrow until she gets behind it. And it totally worked. And so she, mm-hmm. she fell in love with it. And uh, we n- ended up naming him, him arrow. Uh, and Joel was her dad's middle name. So there's some so significance cool. uh, tying to her dad as well. But uh, Ezra brave is my second one. Mm-hmm. Now, listen, you know, when I named him Ezra brave, I did not realize the power <laughs> of name because that boy is brave. He is my guy that will jump off of anything, right? He's my, you know, he split his toe open a few weeks ago. He's just my guy. He's just, he's crazy. wide open. Yeah. We call him him Ezzy, but Mm -hmm. uh, Ezzy Brave. And he is Mm -hmm. the most wild child you will ever experience. And I tell every people all the time, like that kid will either change the world or or rule the world. Okay. He's going to do one one or two, right? And it's like, we got, we got to pray and fast with me, everyone on the more with Nikki podcast. Okay. That he, that he changes the world. (laughs) Otherwise he will rule it. Okay. So we're going to, we'll see, give us some time and we'll see exactly which way this goes. Yeah. No, he is, he is my, my little champion though. He is a wrestler. Mm -hmm. He's brave. He's strong. He's also very sweet, very Mm -hmm. tenderhearted, um, loves to cuddle, loves to play, um, loves to hang out with his brother, very protective. Yeah. Even if I'm just playing with Arrow, he'll come up, you don't hurt my brother. <laughs> you know, he'll just come at me. Um, and then Kaya Grace, mm-hmm. um, her name uh, is Hawaiian. So Kaya means sea or ocean. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a sea of grace. Uh, when we got pregnant with Kaya, 
um, that's really what I felt like the Lord had had spoken to me was that there was an ocean of grace for this mm-hmm. season. Um, and it was a season where we were getting ready to plant a church. It was a season where there was job transition happening. Uh, so kind of a stressful uh, season and, yeah. and the Lord said there is an ocean of grace for this season. Mm-hmm. Um, and Kaya was just a name that just, we, we fell in love with. And so, yeah, Arrow Ezra and, and Kaya. I love that. Yeah. I couldn't have you here. We couldn't have this conversation and not touch on that. Cause I just feel like that's so powerful. And like I said, it just yeah. resonates so much in this season of life that I'm in. And that a lot of people that are listening to this podcast are in of, just not only giving a name to your children, but prophesying a name over your children. I think that those are two different things. And so it's exciting. It's fun to get to imagine what that can look like. And like you said, what that unlocks in their lives and what that sticks over them every minute of their entire existence. Even when arrows in your wife's belly and you're, you know, speaking that name over him, over him, over him, it does something. I think it changes something. Well, and it, and it cultivates a sense of identity in them. So like Arrow, you know, he was at the pool this last mm-hmm. summer and some kids were, were asking him his name. He's like, you know, my name's Arrow. He goes, my name's Arrow because, you know, God's going to use me to, in, in the darkness. He's going to shoot mm-hmm. me like an arrow in the light. And so like he, he said the things that we say over him, he repeats. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So mm-hmm. like he'll, he'll tell people, he's yeah. like, I'm God's arrow and, and his mm-hmm. kingdom's not of this world. And so like he'll tell That's kids this unreal. at the pool, like he's just in there, <laughs> oh, my arrow, I'm God's arrow he's a king, but his kingdom's not of this world. And he's sharing his faith. He literally has asked his whole class if they know Jesus, his teacher, do you know Jesus? You know, last year he was upset because his teacher kept like, you know, kind of redirecting and deflecting. And so he was like, yeah, she never answers my question when I ask her if she knows Jesus. I really hope she does because I really don't want her to go to hell. And so like, he's very, he's very, very strong in his faith. And he is very much a a little evangelist, like trying to lead his friends to Jesus. Um, So he is the most bold little seven-year-old. That's unreal. You've got uh, an evangelist on your hands. Yeah, you've got a young evangelist there. Uh, can I tell one story? Yes, please. Okay. Please. All right. So, so th- your kids, man, I'm telling you, they will, they will rebuke you in your life. And so if you <laughs> let them hear you, th- they will make sure there is integrity between what you live yes. and what you preach. Cause he was in uh, the main auditorium. Um, oh gosh, a couple of different times and heard me preach something. Uh, I can't remember what, what, what specific message it was, but he listens. Right. And he, he logs it away in his head. And so I remember I was standing outside of our, our front, our front of our house and I'm in like, you know, like a tank top and right. my hair is a mess. And I'm just like looking, looking a wreck. Right. And I'm just hanging out with the kids riding bikes. And then someone's walking by with a dog and Arrow comes, dad, we need to tell him about Oasis City and tell him about Jesus and invite him to come to church with us. And I'm going, that's a great idea. But I was like, I right now don't, I don't think she'd yeah. come to our church if she looks at the pastor She's and like, I look like no, this. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm like, son, you, listen, um, let me tell you about relational equity. And we're going to start with like small, you know, and, and, but no, he's like, no, we need to tell her. And I honestly, like, this is such a pride thing on my thing, but I was just, I was, I was embarrassed about how I looked yeah. and I was just yeah. kind of disheveled looking. And I was like, so I'm not going to share right now. Well, she walks by and he is so disappointed. Like he comes mm-hmm. so sad. Mm-hmm. Dad, why didn't you tell her about Jesus? Dad, why didn't you invite her to Waste City? And I just remember that over the next couple of days, I just became so convicted. Mm-hmm. And it was like the Holy Spirit just poking me going, hey, it, that embarrassment is actually pride. Mm-hmm. It's pride about how you look. It's pride about how you perceived. And it's like you missed an opportunity, not only to evangelize somebody, you missed an opportunity to show your son mm-hmm. how to evangelize. And that it doesn't matter what you look like. You can share Jesus anytime, anywhere, mm-hmm. anywhere the Spirit leads. And so I actually had to pull my son aside a couple of days later um, and say, get down on my knees and, and repent to him and go, Hey buddy, I'm, I'm so sorry. Like daddy totally missed that opportunity. And you're right. And I, I had pride in my heart and I was embarrassed about how I looked. And so I didn't share Jesus and that was wrong. And he was like, this is what he said. My little seven year old, 
it's okay, dad, we all make mistakes. You can, you can do it next time. <laughs> I was just like, what are you 50? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh man. The but wisdom. He'll, he will, he'll, he'll pull things out of messages. He'll pull things that he hears yeah. if he's ever in the main auditorium and he'll say, dad, you know, you, you said this. And so you got to make sure. And I'm going, you're right, son. You're right. <laughs> I know. Hearing ads cut into the middle of a podcast you're listening to can be kind of annoying, but I don't want this part of the podcast to only be me pushing products, even if I genuinely love and use them. I also want to highlight organizations and nonprofits and causes and people that I support like Love Does. If you aren't familiar, Love Does is a nonprofit that fights for human rights, cares for the vulnerable, and provides education in conflict zones. This year in 2023, Love Does is opening a primary school in Burkina Faso in West Africa, an after-school program in Israel, as well as welcoming more Ukrainian refugees at their recently established school in Poland. And for the last 20 years, Love Does has focused primarily on building schools and safe houses around the world, but they've recently expanded their operations here in the U.S. to include a mobile food pantry for families who are facing food insecurity, refugee resettlement, and a home for teen moms. You might remember back in August, I had one of my close friends, Annie Laurie, on the podcast, and we recorded an episode called Love Does with Annie Laurie Jacobs. She is on this team, and it would be worth scrolling back and listening to her episode if you want to hear more stories and wins from the work that they've done together so far. And if you're interested and want to be in involved, there are a ton of ways that you can support Love Does, especially if you're looking this year in 2023 to make a difference and to be involved with something different. Scott and I have given financially to Love Does over the last year or so, and we felt really encouraged by the way that our gift has been invested in communities locally and worldwide. You can follow Love Does on social media at Love Does. Visit their website, lovedoes.org for updates. And you can feel like you can do absolutely anything and launch an outer space orbit, listening to the founder, Bob Goff, on his podcast, Dream Big. That has been a huge source of inspiration for me in my life and in this podcast. So I highly recommend that as well. And I just would say, I love this place. I love these people. And I could not recommend Love Does to you any more highly. Well, I I think it is too. It's like we underestimate, even when I was preparing for the student conference in Oklahoma City, like we underestimate others' abilities to comprehend or to catch or to engage with maybe a message or even a story or a reality about life because maybe they're younger than us, they're different than us, they're from a different place than us, they're strange to us, maybe we just don't know them well enough. And yeah, it's truly humbling then when you watch that person or that group of people step up into and then completely surpass like me and where I'm at and my expectations or whatever limit I have set on that moment. And yeah, I, I think that that is even just a good kind of roll into like what we were going to talk about next because like I said we got to share that room and Josh got up and kind of opened the conference on night one and he was talking about John 15 that was kind of our anchor for the whole weekend or for the whole three days was abiding in Jesus and like I said we were talking to middle school and high school students and the leaders who were in the room and then I got to get up on night two and it was amazing like I said it surpassed everything that I had prepared for 
everything that I was equipped for, everything that I expected. It went well beyond that. It was so good. And then on night three, I got to come back and that was when you took the stage and I got to just be in the back of the room and just worship and listen and just kind of be a part of the message that the Lord had given you. And then I also had Mm -hmm. the privilege to stand in the back kind of as the conference was coming to a close. It was the last night of worship and to watch the students, anyone who hadn't taken a step yet to really make that final movement in whatever way made sense for them. And I remember that you opened up with a story about being an Animal Planet kid. And I resonated with that so much. And I don't know that the whole room did. There were some that did. There were some that didn't. And maybe it's because we're old. Like, I don't know what it is. I I totally feel that way. It's like the next generation. That's why I was trying to tell them. I'm like, y'all don't know. Yeah, they you don't, don't know about know. Animal Planet. They don't know. I grew up watching <laughs> Crocodile Hunter and like all these yes. shows about training your dog and like Meerkat Manor Meerkat and like Manor. Yes. all these things. Like it was like that was how I grew up. I loved it. Lived for Shark Week. Uh, and that kind of like yes. led into the story that you kicked off the message with. So would you kind of share the story and set the stage for what that word was? Yeah. So, uh, I just shared a story about, uh, you know, basically when I was a kid going to the zoo was like my favorite thing because I was such a like Steve Irwin crocodile hunter guy. Right. Like I just, I loved it. I thought I was little Steve Irwin. Okay. Like if I could have, if I could have grown up to be a crocodile hunter, I went. And, um, so yeah, my parents took us to the zoo. Parents had very simple rules. It's like, Hey, do not knock on the glass, which all of us break that rule, oh, right? I mean, we, right. We, break, we knock on the glass, right. all right. And number two uh, was uh, follow closely, like stay mm-hmm. close. Uh, don't, don't wander off because you could, you could get lost, you could get separated. And so we, they took us on a trip to what they called uh, in Denver, the zoo lights at night, which is basically <laughs> like cool. Christmas lights at the zoo yeah. in the night, right? And, and like Animal Planet Kid, you know, right? The animals right. are more active. Most of them are nocturnal. And so I'm going, I'm like through the roof excited. Um, and I'm wandering around from exhibit to exhibit, right? I'm like, oh my gosh, a Lebanese tortoise, right? And I'm like driving, running up to it and, you know, bumping over to the kangaroos, looking at the lions. I'm just like yeah. all over the place. My parents are probably losing their mind trying to keep track of all of us. There was three of us at the time. And uh, so we're running all over the place. And I, I noticed my parents were behind me still. Like I could see them, but I was getting a little further. And I was like, oh, it's fine. I can still see them, right? I mean, I, I'm not going to get lost. They're there. But so I kept going to exhibit to exhibit. And they got a little bit further and further. And then all of a sudden, like after I got you know three or four exhibits in, I realized in this crowd of people that I was completely alone. Mm-hmm. that my parents were nowhere to be seen. And I just remember this, this sense of feeling of just urgency. Like, oh my gosh, I really am lost. Mm-hmm. Right. I didn't, I didn't follow closely. I was following at a distance and I just got to this place where I finally was like, Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm alone. Mm-hmm. I'm lost. And so I used that to kind of kick off this story, uh, out of Matthew 26, talking about really the last supper and, uh, the disciples hanging out with Jesus and Jesus telling them, Hey, this is what's about to happen. And it, you know, Peter goes into this, this ride or die speech, I call it. Right. And we all have <laughs> ride or die friends and Peter, you know, we, we love Peter, right? <laughs> Peter, we do. Peter opens his mouth and goes, even if I have to die with you, I will not leave you. Right. And Jesus tells him, Hey, sure. You know, before the, before the night ends, like the rooster's going to crow, throw, crow three times and you will deny me. Like, this is like, you will deny me three times before the rooster crows. And so we, we use this story to kind of get into this idea of, man, we all have these ride or die people. We all have these ride or die moments. And we have them ourselves with Jesus where we're like, Jesus, we're with you. Like we will never turn our back on our faith. Like we're, we're for you. We're going to obey your word. Mm-hmm. 
And then we start to kind of get this, this distance. And I, I love it in, in Matthew 26, 58, because it, it makes it so clear for us. This is mm-hmm. now, mind you, before the denials, this is before uh, the little girls coming up. Hey, I think you're a Galilean. I can tell by your accent. Like this is, this is before all of that. Matthew 26, 58 mm-hmm. says, meanwhile, Peter followed him at a distance mm-hmm. and he came to the high priest's courtyard. He went in and sat with the guards and waited to see how it will all end. So they're coming out of the garden, right? Jesus has been betrayed, arrested, right? He's being brought before the council. And here is Peter, the ride or die friend who's like, I will never leave you. I'm going to be with you, right? We, we, we see before, like he goes to kind of violence, right? He cuts a dude's ear off. Like this is like, we're going we're gonna to protect Jesus. And Jesus rebukes him, says, hey, we're not going to do it this way. And so they have this like response where it's like the fight reaction gets shut down. So all that's left is kind of the flight reaction. The adrenaline rush is like, we got to, I got to get away from this then because they don't know what to do. And so instead of going with Jesus through this moment, they actually run away. Right. And so we see, you know, like Jesus said, Hey, you're going to be scattered. And that's literally what happens. Now, Peter, it says he followed at a distance. So he starts to just see Jesus and he keeps back. It keeps his distance from him, still following him, but following at a distance. And he gets further and further and further. And, and really what I tried to point out from this passage is the reality of, man, that's the temptation that all of us have, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Like to follow Jesus at a distance and distance is damaging to discipleship. It's damaging to discipleship. The further you get from Jesus, the further you get from the word of God, the further you get from prayer, the more room there is for the enemy to step in, to step mm-hmm. between, to put things in your way, to put things in your path, to put pitfalls, to put little roadblocks, stumbling blocks. And we mm-hmm. get into this place where we find ourselves following Jesus at such a distance yeah. uh, that it ends up basically being like, do we even follow Jesus anymore? Like that's what we finally get to at the end. Um, one of the things I talked about in in the message was distance creates the opportunity for three things. Yeah. Number one, deception. Number two, disobedience. And number three, denial. And usually it goes in that order. Usually you're deceived and because you're deceived, you disobey. And because you disobey, you end up in this place where ultimately if you create enough distance, you just deny Jesus altogether. Mm-hmm. Because here's the thing. I don't know, Nikki, like <laughs> if, if, if you're, you know, we're just talking here. Like if we were walking with Jesus for three years, I I don't know that if I was with Jesus, like standing next to my Lord, my Savior, my friend, and I am standing before the council and right next to him, I don't know that I could look Jesus in the face and deny him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if there was distance, mm-hmm. if there was separation, if there was removal, if there was a sense of safety, if there was a sense, you know, it's like mm-hmm. all of a sudden, or this false sense of safety, right? All of a sudden at this distance, it, cre- it creates an easier delta between that an easier gap to be able to to let that room for the 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 to let the deception brood right to let the mm-hmm. disobedience become something that you really start to entertain and so you end up choosing to deny right and it, and it yeah. seems like you're you're preserving yourself but really it's yeah. like you're condemning yourself right? right and so it's like that's what we see happen in this moment is is this deception this disobedience and then this denial and it's like, man, this is such a temptation mm-hmm. for the church today, such a temptation for young people today. It There's is. such an alluring thing in the world that's saying, hey, come and come and follow this way. Mm-hmm. Come and come and come and see these things. Come and see this kingdom. Look at the kingdom you could have. Look at, you know, it's the same temptations that Jesus faced in the world and Satan throws all those same mm-hmm. things in our face today. Like he has the same playbook that he's always had, right? And he's alluring us with lust and with greed and with all these things. And he's saying, hey, come and chase this. And as you chase that, all it does is draw you further away from mm-hmm. God. And again, again, it increases that distance, which increases the chance for deception, increases the chance for disobedience and will result in denial in the end. 
Yeah. And so. Yeah, a hundred percent. And like we said, this was originally this message. I heard it given to a group, a room full of middle school and high schoolers. But as I was sitting in the back of that room, I mean, I was resonating with a lot of it as much as it pains me to say, I relate to it. I understand it because I've absolutely been there more recently than I would care to admit, because I think that even for us, like I'm 31 years old. And for those of us who, like I said, I came to know Jesus when I was like 12, 13, I was in the church and I was in youth group and I was going to youth camp and so much of my life from high school, kind of all the way through college. And even my first job was at a Christian nonprofit. So much of my life was pre-ordered for me to worship the Lord and was just set up. I had the best setup in the world. I was working with uh, friends and teammates who knew the Lord and followed him intensely. I was in church and I was kind of in these rhythms of volunteering and this and that. And when my husband, Scott, and I moved to California, we left Georgia and moved to California for me to work with A21. It was amazing. I was still a part of an incredible team. But now all of a sudden, we're in a brand new city. We're in a brand new environment. We're picking out a church. We don't have our friend group. We don't have any friend group, to be honest. And we're trying to just figure out what life looks like. And then, oh my gosh, there's stress of, okay, we've got to find jobs and we've got to pay rent and we've got to do these things. And I don't even know how to get to the without using my GPS, like everything just kind of feels hard. Like it just feels frustrating and difficult and new. And um, then as soon as we were there, um, kind of six months in is when the pandemic hit. And so then there's this crazy, like once in a like millennium weird thing that happens where we're all just like so much distance, literal, physical emotional, relational distance. It was so strange. And in the midst of that, we moved to Texas. And so we were in Texas. And so now we're doing that all again. And yeah, after a while, I started to realize that the distance just hadn't grown between me and my friends or hadn't grown between me and a physical church environment. There had been some distance that had grown between me and Jesus. And like you're talking about that distrust, those little seeds that start to sprout up where then life happens. And you think, well, I used to be able to undoubtedly say, yes, Jesus is good. I know that God is good. There is not a dark side of God. Like that is not who he is. That is not his character. But now I don't know, you know, now I'm not sure. And I'm feeling a little like skeptical. I think it was like when skepticism kind of entered the picture. And before you know it, you realize that now there is a little bit of disobedience that's creeping in. And there's just all of these factors that are happening. Um, And so while this was given to a group of young people, I resonate with it so much, like as an adult. And I wonder how would you invite the adult that's listening to this, um, the 25-year-old or the 35-year-old who has all of these things competing for their attention. And it could be good things, like their kids. <laughs> it's like, I'm just trying to keep these children alive. Do you know what I mean? Like, I just yeah. want to keep them yeah breathing and like not fighting each other. (laughs) Like I just want to keep them educated. I don't know. And now you're, but you're also trying to close that gap. So I guess that's my question is what do you think in this season of life can create that distance? What are some things we could relate to? And then what do we do to start closing the gap? Yeah. Um, Well, number one, that gap has to be closed before any of those other things can go right. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think too often there's this, um, 
I mean, to me, it's, it's, it's this myth of like, well, you know, there's like this tiny little slice. This is my church area. This is my devotional Mm -hmm. time. This is my Mm -hmm. kids. You know, it's like every, it's like, it's a slice of the pie, your faith, you know? And it's like, no, no, no. Your faith has to become the entirety of that pie. Right. And then everything else, every other slice, right. Is a part of this. Like your faith, Mm -hmm. it affects your family, affects your friends, affects your kids, affects your work, or it should, if it doesn't. Right. And so it's more about reprioritization than it is anything else, right? So it's like, if you can learn, if you know there's a distance between you and God, there is a gap, there is a delta Mm -hmm. there between how you want to follow God and how you are actually following God, how you're called to follow God and how you're living, close that delta, close that gap, follow closely, like hold on tight to Jesus. And that looks like, like even coming out of COVID, right? Mm -hmm. Tons of people Mm -hmm. stopped attending church. They got out of that Mm -hmm. rhythm. It's like the average church attendee comes 1.2 times a month. Mm -hmm. So we're going, Hey, let me, let me, let me give you some real practical tips. You want to get closer to Jesus again. It's more than just hitting your Devo time in the morning. Totally. Mm -hmm. It's, it's more than that. It's, it's getting in community again. It's getting plugged back into church. It's serving. It's using your gifts Mm -hmm. to build the body. We're all given different gifts and it's to serve one another. It's to build the body of Christ. All right. So Corinthians says, so it's like, we're supposed to use our gifts. We're supposed to be serving one another. We're supposed to keep each other accountable, right? If one of us starts, if if a brother or sister is living in habitual sin Mm -hmm. and they're living in that, they're calling themselves a brother, Corinthians says not even to eat that person. We wash our hands. So it's like, we need to be calling each other out. Now, this isn't, you know, people always say it's, well, it's, you know, only God can judge me. We both know that's not actually accurate, right? <laughs> we don't judge unbelievers. Unbelievers, their job is to sin. That's literally the job description. They sin, right? But when it wins believers, we're, we're meant to call each other out. Iron sharpens iron. We're meant to sharpen each other, to call each other higher, to say, hey, you're not living according to what you confess with your mouth. And I want to just challenge you. Hey, this is this is what scripture says. Let's walk together. Let me help you with this. Like, let's, mm-hmm. let's journey on this together. And so it's like getting yourself back in community, getting yourself in the word, surrounding yourself with other people that are challenging and pushing you to love Jesus more, to, to pray, to go into those things. Um, with with a seriousness and and an idea that hey this is going to integrate like you said integration into all of every aspect of my life that is the most important thing you could do and that will help you be a better father a better mother a better friend a better roommate a better worker at your job right uh, a, a better employee a better manager a better boss whatever it is that whatever your roles whatever God has given you for influence you will be more effective and more influential mm-hmm. when you are integrating your faith into those aspects mm-hmm. right and living out your faith in a real and tangible way, when you're actually sharing what you believe, when you're opening up your mouth, like people will say, Hey, the best sermon you could ever preach is with your life. And now here's the deal. I agree that we need to be people that live lives that look like Jesus, but we live lives that look like Jesus and we serve locally and we bless people around us so that we have the opportunity to speak vocally. So we have the opportunity to then share our faith. So we live like Jesus so we can tell them about Jesus. So when we are doing our good works, it's it's not just because it saves us, right? We're not saved by works. It's through uh, by grace through faith, right? And so it's we're saved by faith. Right, but but it's through our works that we show and glorify our Father in heaven. So we're not saved, we're not saved by works. We're saved for works. Yeah. And so when we can serve other people around us, when we can do these things, when we're doing it in community, when we're walking together, when we're plugged into the body, man, it's like life comes alive. And when you start to share your faith, all of a sudden. Watch when people around you, you plant seeds and other people come and water those seeds that you see fruit begin to grow in your life and around you. And man, I'll tell you what, you'll never feel closer to Jesus 
than when you're watching fruit in other people's lives because, man, you're being obedient to his work. And it's amazing to see what happens. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, we're talking like how this whole weekend was based in John 15 and how when we abide in the vine, we get to see the fruit that is produced. And I mean, this kind of circles back to something we talked about earlier. If you were given that blank piece of paper at 17 years old, you never could have drawn out the fruit that your life would produce. And that's the truth for me as well and for the person that's listening. And I like that you said earlier too, that you were digitally discipled by the porch podcast. And so kind of as we bring things to a close, I would love to give you an opportunity to to digitally disciple the person who's listening as a pastor, as someone who has spoken into this moment. Can you just invite and just kind of help that person close that gap? If they're wanting to take that step, they're listening in their car, they're listening while they're doing the dishes. And they're like, you know what? I think I actually would like to take that step back into a relationship with Jesus. Or maybe it's for the first time. Could you just kind of guide the listener through that and just collectively in this space? Yeah. Uh, If you want to close that gap, it's as easy and as simple as confessing before the Lord. Mm -hmm. Just right now, even where you are in your car, wherever you're listening to this, in your bedroom, at your house, uh, at the gym, wherever you are right now, just confessing, saying, Lord, Lord, I, I feel far from you. I've allowed things to come in and create distance and create space. And I want, I want to close that gap today. Mm. I want to fully surrender, fully submit my life to you. I know it's not because of anything that I've done, but because of what you've done on the cross, Jesus. And you can pray a prayer right there and just confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is who he says he is, that he's done what he says he's done. Uh, and you can, you can experience salvation. You can experience uh, even just if you've already feel like you, you've been saved, you've been walking, you just kind of maybe had some distance. You've walked away a little bit. You've had a season uh, maybe turning away, right? We see in Luke 15, the prodigal son is always welcome home. The father's standing with his arms wide open and his arms are wide open to you. Uh, if you feel like you're the prodigal, that you've been kind of out on your own, doing your own thing, right? Chasing after the things of the world, you still have an opportunity to come home. It's never too late to come home. And I would just say this, Song of Solomon 2.15 talks about it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. It's the little foxes that, that ruin the fruit in our lives. What are the little foxes? It's the little things that we allow. It's the lingering on looking at something we shouldn't be looking at. It's lingering with lust, with greed. It's lingering with with offense and allowing that unforgiveness and that offense to it literally becomes a fence right in our in our minds and our hearts and it, and it and it keeps us from growing. And so I would say this: What are those little foxes? What are those little things that you're like, man? I don't want to do this. You know the things that Paul says, man. Why do I do what I don't want to do? I don't want to do these things. Hey, give them to Jesus. Ask Jesus, say, search my heart and know me. Search my heart, Lord, for any iniquity. Find those things in those places in me that don't look like you and chisel away whatever piece of my heart doesn't look like you. Because listen, this isn't self-help. We're not trying to be the best version of Nikki, the best version of Landa, the best version of you. We're trying to look more like Jesus. And that's our goal. And so I would just encourage you today, pray. Ask the Lord to find those things, remove those things, repent, right? Turn away from it and turn towards Jesus. And today you can enter into a new trajectory for your relationship with God and for the people around you to experience uh, that same kind of relationship based on the fruit that comes from your life. Amen. 
I wanted to leave the conversation there so that if you wanted to take some time to pray and connect with the Lord in whatever way makes sense for you, that you have that space. So full permission to pause the podcast now and do that if you haven't been able to already. But if you're still with me and you'd like some more information about Landon and Oasis City, I wanted to give you all of that. So you can actually find out more about Oasis City Church in Boise, Idaho at oasiscity.church. And here's the thing, if you're like me and you're dying to get into one of the Sunday services, but you are states away, you can actually stream Oasis City's messages online. And so you can go and find that all through their website. And you can also find other ways to connect with them and be a part of what they're doing, even from Georgia or even from Texas or wherever you are listening from today. And then if you want to learn more about Landon, you can go to him on Instagram at Landon Hairgrove, and you can learn more about him and his family and just kind of see what life looks like for Landon as well as you heard me say that we met speaking at a student event. So if you are at a church or you have an event or a group or a retreat and you are looking for a speaker, I could not recommend Landon any more highly. And there is a link in his bio where you can fill out some more information about the event you have in mind and see if it's a possibility to have him come out. But like I said, couldn't recommend him more highly. 